Well, has it happened? Has it already taken place? We're about, uh, what are we, 11 hours or so into the new year? Has anybody broken their resolutions already? <laughs> Somebody's got to have done it, right? Or have you kept them perfectly so far? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great thing, isn't it? I mean, the, uh, the end of a year, the beginning of a new one is an awesome time to say, how am I going to do better? We got a fresh start, a new beginning, a clean slate. And uh, so what a great time. Um, if you're like me, those resolutions, you know, if we can go a week, maybe, you know, uh, maybe some of you, God bless you, if you set resolutions in such a way that they are realistic and achievable um, and are able to follow through, wonderful. Um, some of the resolutions that I've heard of are, um, one person shared that they were going to make something new every month, whether it was making a new recipe for food or some kind of cleaning product or, or making some, something new with their hands or, or starting a new project. Um, another one very familiar to, to many is uh, needing more exercise, um, eating better. Uh, someone else said that they wanted to be more intentional and disciplined in their devotional life. Uh, prayer, uh, scripture, of course, and uh, they said that often, you know, they'll go for a stretch and it's, and it's good and then it kind of goes away and so to, to just really focus on that. So um, all, all well and good and like I said, God bless you. I've resolved not to make any resolutions, I think, so. But have you ever heard of the Lee Resolution? The Lee Resolution. No, it's not a new diet or anything or exercise program. Um, and you probably have heard of it, but probably not necessarily in that way. Um, it happens to be, um, ultimately, it took the form that might be a little bit more recognizable because it happens to start with the preamble of whereas... We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And the actual resolution then that comes down to it and was indeed incorporated into the Declaration of Independence was first penned by Henry, or I'm sorry, Richard Henry Lee, who was representing the colony of Virginia at the Second Continental Congress in June of 1776. And it says this, be it resolved that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. Well, as you know, that resolution then was voted upon and ultimately was drafted into that Declaration of Independence and uh, officially ratified on July 4, 1776, the birthday of this great country of ours. You see, that concept of a resolution is, certainly has a much more uh, official 
of meaning than just what I'm going to resolve to do in the new year. It's part of the parliamentary process that many governments use or organizations or boards or councils where they put a resolution out there with the whereases, the explanations, and then the be it resolves, and then those who are able to vote on that do so, and if the resolution is carried, then it's the motion is passed. So the concept of a resolution is, on the one hand, a mental exercise, thoughts that get put down on paper and, and perhaps getting people to vote and agree with you. And you can pass it. But it's one thing to put it down on paper and to get people to agree and say, yes, be it resolved. It's another thing, as you well know, to actually bring it about, to make it happen, and in some cases, to pay the price to make it happen. One of the signers of that Declaration of Independence you certainly would be familiar with, Benjamin Franklin, an amazing individual, considered one of the founding fathers of our, of our country, of course, um, inventor, writer, um, just a statesman, traveler, uh, relation, international relationships, and just uh, accomplished so much, first postmaster general, and, and all kinds of things. Well, he, at some point in his life, and I don't think it was necessarily in connection with New Year's, but he decided for himself that he had a resolution to better himself. And um, he called it his pursuit of moral perfection. How's that for pretty tall order? And so as part of that, he came up with, or, or at least organized, 13 different what he called virtues, and he put them in a particular order that he felt would lead one to the next and so forth. And, um, and we're going to go through those briefly in a minute, and I'm going to invite you as you hear those and, and read the little descriptions to see just how many of them would be very much in keeping with what you understand to be God's plan for the Christian life. But before we um, get that far, I wanted to share with you uh, just kind of his thought process that he had before he pursued this um, uh, endeavor, this uh, resolution, so to speak. This is what he said. He said, I conceive the bold and arduous project of arriving at moral perfection. I wish to live without committing any faults at any time. I would conquer all that either natural inclination, custom, or company might lead me into. Now, you and I might be sitting here saying, good luck, buddy. But I think he was very, very serious. And again, in some ways, is that not, or should that not be, what each of us is striving for in accord with God's will. So again, they may not all uh, reflect specifically a particular Bible passage, and some may not have anything to do with um, what we might understand, but this is what he put in place. So number one, he put temperance. 
eat not to dullness, drink not to elevation. I don't suppose any of you know what that means at all. Um, number two, silence. My wife's begging me to work on this one. Speak not but what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversation. I wouldn't have anything to talk about. Trifling conversations. Number three, order. This we're trying to get our daughter to work on with her room. Let all your things have their places. But also let each part of your business have its time. Number four is resolution itself. Resolve to perform what you ought. Perform without fail what you resolve. Number five, frugality. Make no expense but to do good to others or yourself. Waste nothing. Six, industry. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary actions. Seven, sincerity. Use no hurtful deceit. Think innocently and justly. And if you speak, speak accordingly. Number eight, justice. Wrong none by doing injuries or omitting the benefits that are your duty. Nine, moderation, avoid extremes. Forbear resenting injuries so much as you think they deserve. 10, cleanliness. Tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. 11, tranquility. Be not disturbed at trifles or at accidents, common or unavoidable. Number 12, chastity. Rarely use venery, but for health or offspring, never to dullness, weakness, or the injury of your own or another's peace or reputation. And finally, humility. Imitate Jesus and Socrates. All right. Well, how do you think he did? He um, kept a little book. Um, as you might guess, a man like this would do. He kept a little notebook with him, and he had each of those, um, uh, you know, virtues listed and for the days of the week, and he would focus primarily on one of those, and then the next week focus on the second one, building off of the first one. But being his own judge and, and acknowledge, you know, recognizing that, you know, there was not an objective force uh, guiding this process other than his own conscience and experience and perhaps input from others. But he would make little marks in his book if he, if he violated or failed. And so then through the course of the week, he would keep track of those marks and then go the next week and next week. And after 13 weeks, he would start over with the hope, of course, that every time through, he would see fewer and fewer marks. Well, this is what he had to say following that experience. I don't know for how long and if he continued it throughout his life, or at least the effort. He said this, though I never arrived at the perfection I had been so ambitious of obtaining, but fell far short of it, yet I was, by the endeavor, a better and a happier man than I otherwise should have been if I had not attempted it. 
So it has its own virtue in itself of going through the exercise, even of making New Year's resolutions, and even if they are not fully and officially kept. I don't think I can argue with that. I think we do have at heart the desire to improve. We know God's plan for our lives is to say, yes, I want you to love me with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. And if it takes being able to be mindful of such things, then certainly that can be beneficial. That can be helpful for us as we seek to live our lives each day. Now, what I'm not sure of, and I certainly didn't do much research into Ben Franklin, his life, and so forth, it has been said that he, among many of the founding fathers, were what were called deists, Certainly those who had a strong belief in the almighty and the sovereignty and the providence of God and so forth and so on. But to what extent there was the personal faith and relationship of Lord and Savior Jesus, I'm not sure. Whether he did or didn't, I'm not sure. I know that when he refers to his lack of ability to carry out this moral perfection, what I didn't sense was much in the way of remorse or grief or repentance. It seemed to be kind of like, you know, I tried and I'm getting better, but you know what? I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect, and so as long as I do my best, we're all good. That's a positive way to approach things, isn't it? And yet at the same time, the Almighty God who has given you and me life and breath and has written on our hearts and our minds and our consciences his holy law indicates to us that the resolutions that he or we make about what we'd like to do better are not just suggestions, that these are in fact demands. These are commands of our Lord who tells us this is how you are supposed to live. Yes, to be temperate and, and use your words accordingly and build up others and, and all of these things and to not do so does bear a price. That's what seems to be missing from Franklin's assessment of this exercise. That like I said before, resolutions are one thing to say, but to make them happen is often at a price, a cost, an ultimate cost. Those men that signed the Declaration of Independence, including Franklin, knew that when they did so, they would most likely have to pay. That the British government army would target them and their families and their property. And you've probably read some of those stories of those signers of the Declaration and what happened to them. It was not just idle words saying, yep, I agree, boom, put my signature there. No, there was consequences. And yet we can say by God's grace, they stuck to it and because of their courage, this country was formed, was, became independent. So where does that leave you and me in all of this? 
For you see, we try as we might to lead a morally perfect life, like Benjamin Franklin, far, fall far short. We don't arrive at it. But we also recognize that the Almighty, the Holy God, says there's a price to pay, a price that you and I are not able to pay. And that brings us to perhaps the great resolution that we are reminded of today. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the adoption as his children. You see what God does? He declares it to be so. He could write a resolution that would say, whereas, and then you can fill in your name, whereas this person has tried to live their best, tried to do their best, and yet has failed so miserably, and in oftentimes willingly gone away from my grace and my guidance, yet I resolve through the gift of my son Jesus who was born under the law to make them my child. You see, there was a price. And that's what Jesus came to bear. He was morally perfect. In everything that he did, all of that, he was born under the law like you and I, but instead of failing, instead of faltering in those resolutions and virtues, he carried them out perfectly. He lived that life that Benjamin Franklin had no chance of living. His life was all about the price. Did you notice that even in our gospel lesson? Look at the price of our salvation. Some describe King Herod as a crazed, paranoid, delusional, uh, insane person. And it says he was furious when, when the wise men had tricked him and, and, and they didn't come back to him. And so what does he do? He sends out his army to kill Baby boys. Who does that? The blood that was shed, the price that was paid already so early in Jesus' life was all part of the plan, of the resolution of God to make his resolution come true. And thanks be to God, he did. And he does. You see, resolutions, New Year's or otherwise, God bless you. Holy Spirit can use those kind of exercises, even if it's Benjamin Franklin's or, or somebody else's or your own, to improve yourself, to being able to be a blessing to others perhaps, maybe to uh, bring more blessings to the world around you to better love God and your neighbor. But remember this, the greatest resolution was God's. 
that he has resolved to make you his child. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.